G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. 180. That's right. If you play darts, you'll know what that means. That's the best score you can get with three darts. Isn't it incredible? I've been waiting forever to say that. Hey, uh, we've got a pretty big show. Paul Bergeni's in to do the news with me shortly. We've got Andy with a couple of bits and pieces from a bloke named Link Phelps. He's going to be playing a couple of tracks. And, of course, Bob McMillan's in with something to talk about at the uh, the back of the show there somewhere. I wouldn't miss that one. Now, I want to have a bit of a chat. Before we get started, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant, all right? Maybe, well, maybe a rant's the wrong way to put it. A pragmatic look at some of the stuff we've been told. Now, in one of the newspaper publications, there's a letter written by Peter Anderson. It's called Closing the Loopholes Bill Will Benefit the Transport Industry. Now, Peter Anderson is the National Secretary of the Australian Road Transport Industrial Organisation. Uh, and obviously, he states he's proud to be part of the collaborative effort alongside esteemed organisations such as Nat Roads, Ticho, whoever the hell they are. It's a new acronym on me, that one. I don't know that one. The Transport Workers Union and, of course, the National Road Freighters Association. Strangely missing from that little brotherhood statement, I suppose, for the want of a better word, is the ATA. He's not saying that the ATA were part of it. I wonder what happened there. I'd love to know the real story behind all that. Uh, I, I have been told some stories and, and things like that, but I don't have it from the horse's mouth, so we won't worry too much about that. Saying, you know, that they've championed the legislation and not only the benefits to the industry, but also upholding the rights and the well-being of those working within it. I agree that uh, this bill, closing the loopholes bill, and this red, uh, road transport advisory group that they're going to you know, form for fair work and all that sort of thing is going to have an effect on the industry. I don't think it's all going to be positive. I think that there are going to be people who are left behind no matter what happens. I don't think sometimes these things are thought through to the extent that they possibly could be. Now, I am being called a critic uh, and, and look, I don't think there's anything wrong with there being critics. He's saying that, you know, the critics are going to say that they're going to be imposts on businesses and things like that. Well, of course, there are going to be imposts on businesses. You don't change the way you do business without it costing you more at some stage or another. It's disingenuous to say that businesses won't have to change to accommodate new regulation because they just do. Uh, it, it frustrates the hell out of me. The transport industry is like days of our lives, you know. You can come out of the transport industry, go away for five years and come back and <clears throat> it's still all the same thing. It's still happening. You've only got to go back and have a look at an old issue of Truck and Life magazine. The things that they were talking about back then, 20 years ago, we're still talking about today, even down to which roads flood. It's unbelievable the amount of things that haven't changed and, of course, Everyone seems to think everything that's happening is some sort of improvement. No, it's not. It's just a minute change in direction. Some things get fixed, but nothing gets fixed permanently. Am I a cynic? Maybe I am. Am I a critic? Maybe I am. But the thing about it is we've got this new thing that's going to happen now, this RTAG, this Road Transport Advisory Group, which is going to be tacked on the side of the Fair Work Commission. Everyone's saying it's a crucial step towards addressing the long-standing issues of inequality, unfairness within the workplace and contractual chains in the transport industry. We all know what happened through the mid-80s when they said, oh, we'll have minimum rates and everything through the mid-80s. They were all there. Everyone knew about it. But the prime contractors were happy to say, oh, yeah, so what, mate? This is what we're paying. You can take it or we'll get someone else to cart it. I don't think that's changed that much. There's no regulatory bite. Now, they're saying that this closing the loopholes bill is going to set a higher standard for safety compliance and blah, 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 blah. A whole heap of motherhood statements about how all this thing's going to be fabulous and, and all the rest of it. Now, there's only one thing that, that, that improves safety compliance, and that is more money. It's as simple as that. It's one thing that improves driver retention. That's Better pay is one of the things that improves driver retention. The only way drivers get that is by being paid properly 
or being paid more. Paid by the hour would be good. That would that would calm a lot of blokes down, I think. The fact is that there isn't enough money. And the fact is that people cut corners on safety to improve their bottom line, or in fact, in some cases, to even have a bottom line. So, you know, I don't, I'm not saying we should address minimum rates as part of this thing. I think that's the wrong way to go. Minimum rates is not the right answer. Giving people the ability to charge so that they can make good money, that's a good thing. So compelling people to pay demurrage, waiting time, that would be a good way to go. They can make up some of their losses with dealing with some of the rubbish. They're also talking about promoting fairness and transparency. I don't know how you promote transparency. No transport operator that I know wants anyone else to know what they're carting, how much they're carting it for, or or anything like that. Transparency? Rubbish. No, that'll never happen. Um, they're saying that you know, we're trying to prevent the distortions of market dynamics and, and things like that and encourage innovation. Well, the only way you get innovation is where you get people like Dave Murphy who have got the balls to put it on the line and build something and then go out and operate it, right? That's the way innovation happens when there are people around with the will to do it and the money to do it. So, you know, it all comes down to money. That's all it comes down to. Now, there are a lot of people that have played a lot of big parts in getting all this to happen, and I really hope it does happen. I really hope it does work well. But I really just I don't see it working out the way that they're going to they're going to do it. Rose-coloured glasses never does it for me. Uh, you know, once again, you, you go through this story. If this bloke mentions you know, uh, equity and fairness, equality and safety, once, he's mentioned it 10 times. Right? He wants to drill home that this is uh, it's all about fairness, equality and safety. Well, maybe it is, but I can't see it. There, there are people that just don't want to play the same as everyone else. The reality of it is is that transport companies are in business to make money. It's as simple as that. Some of them do, some of them don't. It's a capitalist society. It's a competition. It's not a team sport. Road transport's not a team sport. Get it out of your head. You know, when someone else falls off, someone else gets on. Now, look, I encourage everyone in the in the industry to get into it and try and sort of make it work. But at the same time, you've got to go there with some realistic points of view. Can you do anything to make change? Can you do anything within your own business to make change? That's entirely up to you and what you do and how you want to play. At the end of the day, there are a set of rules, the Heavy Vehicle National Law. They're the rules. They're the ones that we've got to play by on the east coast of Australia. If you go into the west, you've got to play by their rules. If you go into the territory, you've got to play by their rules. You have to play by the rules. We all know what the rules are. Right? Unlike some blokes who want to, you know, speed driving um, PBS vehicles and think that you know they're not breaking the rules. Sorry, son. Yes, you are. More about that in the news. Now, the fact is that we've got a lot of people out there that are doing things in their own best interest. That has never, ever, ever changed. It's always been the same. They're talking about it being crucial that there's a dedication to minimum standards and, and industrial relations. Well, okay, let's see how that goes. As I've said, I'm a little bit of a cynic, and of course. When we look at what's going to happen as far as this R tag is concerned, you've got the ARTIO on one side, the TWU on the other side, the ARTIO represent employer groups, the TWU supposedly represents the uh, the workers, the employed drivers. Where do the owner drivers fit in? They don't. They're somewhere in the middle. And Craig said the other night that he expects the NRFA would pick up representing the drivers. Here's the thing, though. The NRFA is not a registered body. It's not going to be a part of this R tag. They are going to be able to make submissions, but at the end of the day, what goes to fair work will be what is presented by the registered uh, groups, and we've yet to see what that is. When I see the TWU come up and say, as a part of the minimum standard, drivers must be paid by the hour, I will then start to think a little bit more positively about this thing. And I, and I really don't want to be negative about it. It's a great thing. You know, when the, when the um, Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal was, was thrown out, they threw the baby out with the bathwater and they never replaced it. That was bad too. That was bad too. But we see all the time 
As I've said before, the drivers are the low-hanging fruit. We all know that. The drivers are the ones that the Highway Patrol and everybody else get into and and get the fines and and everything else. Even the chain of responsibility, you look at what's happened as far as the chain of responsibility, the Connect Logistics guys that got into so much trouble, big fines and put them out of business. When I see a non-truck-owning CEO or board member or someone that's responsible for freight forwarding within a non-truck owning business, when I see one of those in front of the chain of responsibility, when I see one of those getting some sort of punishment, when I see one of those having to stand there and answer the questions, then I'll, uh, then I'll have a little bit more faith in that process as well. And the other thing about it, when people are guilty of things, after the trial's been done, Perhaps we can name them and shame them and say who it was and what it was and where they got into trouble and how much the fine was. More about that in the news as well. So, you know, we have to think about what's going on. There's not enough thought about what's going on. There's not enough critical thinking with this, within this industry sometimes. Now, you know, people say, oh, you, no, Mick, you're just, a, you're just a, a bloody critic and you're just saying that you, you know, this all, all this stuff is, you know, doom and gloom and all that. I'm not doom and gloom. I want this to work, I really do. And I'm willing to do whatever I can to help it work. But I'm not going into it wearing the rose-coloured glasses. I've been kicked in the nuts too many times. All right, that's it, I'm done. Let's get on with the uh, the show. We'll kick off with the news and then Andy can do his bit, then Bob can do his bit and we'll play that last song from Andy and uh, that'll be that. Enjoy your week. 180, the perfect score. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Here on the road, it's time for the news. All right, here we go. Time for another lot of news. Brother Beardini's joined me from sunny Queensland. Paul, how are you, mate? Happy Friday, Mike. How are you? Happy Friday. You're not Happy supposed Friday. to date the news when we're doing it, you know. It's a, show doesn't come out till Monday. <laughs> well, yes. You Happy Monday, everyone. And uh, <laughs> did you did you survive the leap year? Did I survive the week? The leap year. The leap year. Mm. Oh, mate. I uh, I think so. No one asked me to marry him, so that's all right. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a couple of chaps about that, and I, I haven't really put that thought process in, in saying, isn't the 29th a wonderful day to get married? And I said, mm. oh, I guess so, I don't know. But I said, hey, then as a male, you've only got to remember your uh, wedding anniversary every four years. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's, 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 you only got 75% chance less of getting into trouble. <laughs> I, I have never heard that before this week. It shows you what a sheltered life I live. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, news we're not talking about. We're not going to talk about Healthy Head's new partnership. You can go to any of the trucking websites and read about that. A lot of stuff happening there for 2024 with Healthy Heads. We may talk about it later on. LBRCA have announced their Young Driver of the Year, uh, Charlie uh, Pittman of Pittman Transport. There's a surprise. There's 1.5 million in Victorian road safety grants through their community road safety initiatives. We're not going to talk about that. 2.16 billion on the Coomera connector. Geez, that's going to be a good bit of road. I'd, I'd love to talk about that for a bit, but we really don't have too much time. The parks bypasses is underway. There's a little bit of a diversion happening there. You want to check that out. We're not going to talk about that because the information's changing there on a daily basis. 
What we are going to talk about, we're going to start off with what's going on over in South Australia, mate. There's an operator being fined over the South Eastern Freeway incident that happened there. They're not telling us who it was as usual. They don't like to share that information, the NHVR. I think they should be named and shamed. Every time they're done, that's it. They're guilty. We should know about it. We should know who it is. What do you reckon? Did you do you know what the incident was? I don't even know what the incident was, really. No, I tried to kind. Of, I tried to do a little bit of a uh, bit of a search around. I couldn't find anything, so it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. There was a heavy vehicle, and there was there was an accident involving yep. heavy vehicle and several several other vehicles. Yep. But that's all we can find. I've got a hard. feeling. I've got mm. a feeling just looking at it and the number of people that were injured. It was that bloke with that rigid with the dog, little pig trailer on it full of boxes that went through the traffic lights at the bottom of the hill. I think that's the one. Mm, okay. I don't right. know. Mm, I've had a try okay. to. I had a bit of a try to find out myself, and I couldn't find it. Mm. I can't be a hundred percent sure. Thing mm. is that they've been fined eighty-four thousand dollars and seven thousand dollars respectively. The sentence was handed down on the twenty-third of February in the Adelaide Magistrates Court. They're saying that it's imperative that operators understand their obligation to keep their drivers and, importantly, all road users safe on the southeastern freeway. And, look, it is. But, Jesus, there's some dumb bastards driving down the southeastern freeway going into Adelaide, mate. You would think that that hill and that section of road mm. has only just been built in the last 12 months. I mean, that, that, that road and that hill's been there ever since... I can recall, and that's oh, a long time now. The devil's it's, elbow, it's, mate. We used to go down it, the elbow years ago. The elbow, yeah. It's no big surprise, is it? Mm. It's 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 a big hill. It's well signed. Yep. It's very well signed when yep. you come to the top of that hill. Yeah. Um, it is really a case of knowing the correct gear and uh, knowing your weight, knowing your vehicle's capabilities, and the correct gear to creep down the hill, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, yeah. Tremendous fine, though, Mike. Tremendous big fine. Well, mm. they're saying that you know there were several different uh, things that contributed to that action. I'm sure there were, but mm. you know the reality of it was that uh, the court heard that the operator permitted an unlicensed driver to drive a defective and overmatched vehicle without undergoing any induction or any training, and that the operator did not have adequate policies and procedures in place. It's I don't really give a beep um, trucking, isn't it? <laughs> that's that's really bad. <laughs> I'm I'm going to again. We're not we're not going. We're going to be very careful not to name and shame without the facts because yep. we don't do that. But yeah. you can't help wondering if it was that body truck pig dog trailer. Yeah. Was it a professional transport operator yeah. or was it a truck that belonged to a landscaping yard or something and this yeah. is where it all becomes very complex doesn't it Absolutely. well i wish they would just name the people name the incident tell the whole story and this is mm. the problem with our trucking media today they don't ask the questions mate mm. someone someone from the nhvr has obviously sent out a press release oh this has happened this is really good mm. we find someone you know what mm. i reckon mate mm. nothing really is going to change too much until a non-truck owning person, like a freight forwarder, gets done for chain of responsibility. Couldn't agree more. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Whose freight was it? Yes. Yes. Whose right. freight was it? You know, mm. let's let's find out. Let's just add them into the chain, because the driver is the most obvious person that's going to get in the shit every time. You know. Well, he's the lowest hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. Easy one you know, I've yeah. said it over and over and over again. The customers mm. don't care. They're interested in getting their product from one place to another as cheap as possible. As um, cheap as possible. And yeah. in, a, in the time frame that they want. And they never seem to be held to account for what's going on. Mm. Until someone that owns the freight that's consigned it to someone without doing their due diligence, until someone like that gets prosecuted, gets fined or goes to jail, I don't really think that much is going to change. Personally. Indeed. Indeed. I agree. Righto, mate, let's move on. Police are targeting dangerous driving with the road safety blitz on the Hume Highway. Situation now, Mike, normal. Now, Mike, you spend a fair bit of time on that highway. I do. Um, I've spent very, very little time on that highway, in fact, and it's been uh, decades since I've been on it. Yep. But I imagine it, 
Is it a dangerous road to travel on, as in corners, bridges, hills, or is it oh. all four-lane freeway? It's two lanes either way, so four lanes. Yeah. You know what's it, it's, it's become a little bit more dangerous in the last year or so, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the reason, the danger that it's, that, that's, that's come onto the, the Yume Highway is not from what you'd expect. It's not from speeding trucks or, or silly drivers or anything like that, although there are plenty of those. Um, the danger now is these uh, PBS multi-combination vehicles doing 20 kilometres an hour up hills. That is a big problem between Brisbane and Toowoomba on the Minden and Marburg Ranges. They, yeah. they are mobile roadblocks. So, they are mobile roadblocks. So yeah. we live in the situation down here, particularly uh, where we have fog. Like this morning, I came up the Yume this morning, uh, and we've already dated the news to say Friday morning this morning, and uh, it was foggy, uh, particularly north of uh, north of um, Yass in some mm-hmm. of the some of the places there and and really like once you once you come past yes you've got a series of hills particularly you know you come up through goulburn you've got all those big climbs and everything like that these b triples and and uh, ab double road train things that they run around they're going up the hills doing 25 30 kilometers an hour Mm. now the car drivers don't seem as though they want to slow down and they certainly don't want to let you out if you're in a truck um and yeah, without putting too fine a point on it, at 62 ton, I like to keep my momentum going up and down the hills. I know the road very well. Not overly bothered by the fog, but what is starting to bother me, mate, is the fact that you can be maintaining your momentum. You can get down the bottom of one of these hills to know you know you've got a big climb up the other side and you get about a third of the way up and here's a bloody AB double doing 20 kilometres an hour and you've got nowhere to go. Mm, particularly, In particular, it's a real problem on the Warrego with... Uh, the big horsepower American trucks are, yeah. are handling it okay, but there's yeah. a couple of operators that have obviously, uh, you know, decided mm. to cut their capital outlay down and, and put uh, little little European trucks under these. Um, I don't care. I'm still going to call them road trains, uh, <laughs> and they are they are almost they are almost going in reverse. They're going so slow, yeah. and I guess there's a generation of car drivers now, Mike, that. Yeah. You know, car drives in the 70s and 80s were kind of half used to trucks going up hills yep. slow. But, yep. you know, with, with the rise of horsepower in the, in the last 15, 20 years, you know, truck, you know you, as like the jigger you operate, your average, you know, sing, you know certainly a single or a B-double is, is mixing it with the car traffic to keep the flow of traffic, which is fantastic. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, yeah, with, with, with these real heavy combinations, it's almost like we've gone back 30 years and once again, they, they, they allow these vehicles on the road. That's okay. But no one gets any education. The car drivers, I, I know I know plenty of truck drivers that aren't educated yeah. on, on what they're doing. So, yeah, that's an interesting comment you might make. Now, you know, the uh, overwhelmingly, the uh, Southwest Acting Superintendent, Greg Donaldson, said overwhelmingly these crashes have been a result of driver behaviour in the form of speeding. Yep. alcohol, drugs and fatigue, yep. and other poor driving choices. Yes, other poor driving choices. Other poor driving choices. So, mm-hmm. of course, he does also mention that he will be having a really good look at the trucks, not just the cars. So yeah. yeah, Watch out, everybody. So that is from March 5th to March 8th. So that's this coming weekend up. So yeah, yeah. Well, watch out, everybody. Watch out. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's situation normal, mate. I went down. Okay. I went down uh, about a, a week ago on a Sunday, and saw four evil Knievels and I think probably five uh, Mardi Gras cars before the border. And, That's a new one on me, a Mardi Gras car. Oh, the Highway Patrol, mate. I, I can't. Right, yeah. I can't. Yeah. But they're you know, they're painted in the LBGTQIA sort of colours. Oh, mate. are they? Okay. Yeah, Mardi oh, Gras, nice. Mardi okay. Gras cars, mate. They look lovely. Oh, beautiful! I'll tell you what—you do have to give it to the New South Wales Highway Patrol too, because they can hide those bloody things where you can't see them. Really? Oh, yeah, no, they're okay. very—they're very, very good at it. Very good at it. Mm. I reckon. So where, as opposed to being high vis and people slowing down when they see them. But that, anyway. That's right. Well, they. 
I reckon they're like they're like fishermen. They sort of sit there and they throw the line out and they wait for someone to go past. What did make oh, what did make goodness. me laugh was down at Goulburn, mate. There were three evil Knievels there and they were sort of spaced out and people were going past seeing the first one going, oh, yeah, we've got the first one because you could see him where he was standing there, you know, he was in, he was in plain sight. Oh, here we go. Right, and then we thought, well, we'll, we'll see the, we've seen him now, we can hoof it, right? And the second one was nailing them, right? And then they'd get past that and they'd see the, th- they'd see the second one writing someone up on the side of the road because we were talking about it on the UHF and having a bit of a laugh, several of the tr- truck drivers. And they'd see the second one, oh, there can't be three, and they'd hoof it onto the meanwhile and the third one would nail them. He was sitting under the bridge on the bottom. <laughs> it's, uh, all about road, it's all about road safety. Oh, mate, it's all about road safety. All right, moving right along, buddy. The stevedores are stinging the truckies yet again. <laughs> Goodness me. Oh. This, is, this is just diabolical. Isn't it? Diabolical. So Patrick's have advised that from Monday to March 4th, so, you know, no, no, uh, no lead-up, a valid merit or MSI, uh, MSIC card and a one-stop access swipe card yeah. will be required by all truck drivers to access the Melbourne Port Rail and Cargo Facility. Yeah. That includes the poor buggers that are just going in to dehire an empty container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, have you have you looked at the cost of these, Mike? Mate, $704. For a card that gives you both the MSIC and access to facilities for two years, or a thousand and seventeen for four years, let's just stick our hand in your pocket one more time. The cheapest option, of course, is a two-year pass for four hundred and twelve. But that only extraordinary. applies if you've already got a card, right? So I don't know what. I just don't understand what. Why do we need to charge truckies for these sort of things? I don't get it. Is, is it, uh, it doesn't appear, so I've, I've done some research, it doesn't appear to link to anything uh, safety related. No. Because I guess regardless of whether you pay the money or not, if you are uh, if you have a criminal background, mm. you'd like to think that you're not going to be issued with one of these cards. So mm. it can't be a safety security. To me, it can only be cash grab, but <laughs> when it comes to the Steve doors in Australia... Do I get cynical? Oh, possibly. Possibly. The mandate's going to force a lot of blokes to get the cards if they haven't already got an MSIC or, or and a one-step access card. It is going to force them, yes, absolutely. It's a bit of an expensive process, and it's a process in itself. Apparently, it takes about three weeks to get one. And... Mm. If uh, so, if if you're a company driver, I would certainly hope that you'd be reimbursed by your employer, as yeah. should be. Yeah. But if you're an owner, driver, subcontractor, there's some little, there's another snippet of money out of your bottom line, Mike, because yeah. wherever you're subbing to, they're not they're not going to accept that cost to be passed along, guaranteed. Yeah, well, they uh, in their in their letter to the industry, Patrick have said that the card requirements align with the introduction of its Camco water gates at Coon mm. Road to improve operational efficiency for landside operators and to reduce time to complete the arrival process. In other words, we're going to make you pay to come and do business with us. Yes. Unbelievable. In addition, there's no requirement uh, for MSIC to entry in all the areas of Melbourne. Uh, DP World uh, Melbourne Logistics Park, adjacent to the new Patrick Cargo Link facility, said they uh, they don't have a requirement. So if you're going in there, perhaps you might want to check that out. But the uh, marine security uh, card designed to provide evidence that the holder is a valid background check from OzCheck. Mm. So I don't know, mate, seriously. More, more money in the cost of doing business. More money onto the cost of doing business. The stevedores stinging truckies yet again. Well, well, well done, stevedores. Well done, Patrick. Well done, Good Patrick. Good work. Great work. Now, the last yeah. story that we want to have a look at. There's been a bloke having a bit of a whinge on social media. He drives a B triple, and he got knocked off near Darlington Point doing 99 kilometres an hour on the Stewart Highway. Seven hundred and eleven dollars for the fine. Now he's driving a B triple. So mm. that's a PBS vehicle. 
Um, and the speed limit in New South Wales for PBS vehicles is 90 kilometres an hour. Everyone knows it. Absolutely everyone knows it. This bloke, and I really, I'm going to, I'm going to point out the fact that in, there are other branches of the trucking media that have paid this, uh, like have, sorry, have, have published this, and they're saying mm. he's fighting a fine he never should have received. In my mm. opinion, it's absolute bullshit. He absolutely deserved to get the fine. He's driving outside his permit. Mm. Similar as that. And, and that, let's face it, those PBS permits, when they hand them out, they, uh, they hand them out with strict strict regulations, so they mm. keep clicking on all these trails. Um, it's interesting how complex it's, it's become, Mike, hasn't it? Because, yeah. again, in, our, in the good old days of single trailers and road trains, yep. it was 100 and 90, yep. and that was it. That's there it. was just no... The, Road trains did ninety, single trucks did hundred. Yeah. That was yeah. It's it's just it's becoming so complex, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Well, he's claiming that his uh, his vehicles uh, operating under the National Class Two Performance Based Standards Tier One, with a, a, an authorisation number, he claims and was allowed to be travelling on that road at one hundred kilometres an hour. Well, I don't know. We've got people that work with us that actually do compliance, and I've yes, asked the do. question. And the answer that I've always received is PBS vehicles road tra- and road trains are limited to 90 kilometres an hour east of Port Augusta. Mm. Simple as that. That's it. Game over. So Yes, yes. They're, it seems they're allowed to do 100 west of Port Augusta, but not east. That's yeah. right. Now, he said, uh, apparently, then he's quoting the policeman as saying, you're not breaking state law but you're breaking the PBS rule. That's what he reckons the policeman said. Mm. Well, and he reckons he was treated like a criminal and the fine shouldn't have even been issued. Um, and he reckons it's wrong, it's just wrong, you know. I feel like Revenue New South Wales don't care at all as long as they have the money flowing in. Well, old mate, if it's already with Revenue New South Wales, that means you ignored the court attendance notice, means you didn't pay the fine, it means you didn't respond and you were found guilty in absentia, um, and they fined you. And he reckons he's going to fight it. Well, good luck with that. Well, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see a follow-up if this, uh, this gentleman does take it to uh, follows it up and ends up in court. I'd like to see... I hope he uh, publishes the findings, whether it's for him or against him. And I, uh, as you say, some of these other corporate media, transport media outlets, same thing. I... Mm. I hope they fought. there's a follow-up story because at the moment it's just a great big grey area, isn't it? Yeah, well, I just I just love the way the story goes on. He reckons I pay taxes and pay. Well, we all, do, we all do. We all do that. We all do that. Welcome to the club. Mm. He reckons he's nice and polite when he's dealing with people. Well, you know, good luck there. Thanks. So I, I'm usually nice and polite when I'm talking to policemen as well. Never pays to argue with a bloke with a pen and a notebook. You won't win that argument. Pen, notebook, and a gun. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I work extremely hard for my money. Well, tell me a truck driver that doesn't, mate. That does not. Mm. Um, this job is getting more and more dangerous by the day, he says. Yep, well, maybe it is. He said, I walk out the door and I never know when I'm going to come home again. Mate, if that's the way you feel, quit. Walk away. You know, there is plenty of other options. There are plenty there. of other options. Perhaps he might, he might, be, might be more suited to driving a forklift. Mate, pay the fine. You broke mm. the law and that's the end of it. And I've got no sympathy because... I am sick to death of people that run these things. They reckon that, you know, they should be exempt. They should be allowed to do everything else. You've got a PBS truck. You've snapped on all these extra trailers. You're getting the money advantage from doing that. The trade-off is that you do 90 kilometres an hour. But, yeah. You run, yeah. A, you, run a, you run a 26 or 27-metre BW, you have to have a FUPS bar. That's the trade-off. Otherwise, That's it's trade-off. 25 metres. Hmm. Right? Correct. You know, you keep yep. snapping these trailers on. And if you're a driver that's doing these things, here's the thing. Talking to Craig about it the other night. Look at the, uh, look at the award that's current at the, at the award. If you're driving a B-double up over 54 tonne or anything up to under 94 tonne, you're only getting paid the same amount of money. You're getting ripped off. Hmm. You're doing, unless you're working with someone that pays over the award, good luck to you if you are, you know, I am sick of these blokes that drive these big trucks for their ego because they reckon it's really cool to be driving around these big trucks. Tell them well, to stick it up their bum, right? If, if, I don't do well, it for the ego. The thing, Mike, you, for the you, are, you are forgetting. You are forgetting the bragging rights that I have three trailers on. Oh, 
I don't know. If you're not, you know, if you're not being paid properly, I mean, this is what encourages this sort of bullshit too. He'd be driving along at 90 kilometres an hour trying to make up the time because he's still on trip money. Mm. You know, that's what it is. Tell him to stick it up their bum. I'd love to know whose truck it was. Indeed. Indeed. Righto, that's that, mate. Is there is there an acting the goat award? Mate, there is. Millie Millie uh, she struggled a little bit this week, Did but you? she has come up with something. She uh, she was struggling a little bit midweek and then uh, Uncle Bob McMillan called to say hello and did oh, mention right. uh that I should perhaps I should up Millie's calories and uh, give her a little bit more f- food, <laughs> and uh, so she, she she furiously tapped away on the uh, on the keypads with her little hoofs and <laughs> look, I, I'm not going to apologise for Millie. This is the sort of girl she 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 does love targeting our politicians. <laughs> right. So this week, uh, this week she has uh, she zeroed in on dear old Bob Catter. Oh, okay. So I don't, not sure if you've seen the images, but uh, Bob Catter and Andrew Wilkie roamed the corridors of Parliament this mm. week wearing pink inflatable pig costumes. Oh Jesus! I oh, know I never saw that. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pair were carrying containers of fake money and pretending to eat it from a trough like pigs. Okay. It was a stunt aimed at the to highlight the profits of Coles and Woolworths. More power to them. Oh, yeah. That afternoon, Catter accused the federal government, and I know you and our listeners are going to have to be ready for this. All right. I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. We're good. Catter accused the federal government of failing to rein in the power of the major supermarkets. Bob, you've, 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 you're speaking for us again, just like uh, just like a true politician. You're talking for us. So <laughs> once again, he is. Uh, he has. He has. He is basically burst out of the parliament. This is after he was wearing his pink pig suit right. and said, uh, yeah, basically had a slap at the prime minister and told parliament the government needs to do something about the cost of living and the profits that Coles and Woolworths are gobbling up. Mm. But I have to say, seeing two grown men in inflatable pig suits ro- rolling around <laughs> in parliament house, well, those guys this week might, they get, what do they get, Millie? <laughs> they get Millie's acting the go-to-week award. Understand, understandable. Politicians understandable. in pink inflatable pig suits, goodness me. Uh, just when you thought you'd seen everything. What will they think of next? Mate, I, I'm glad I didn't see that. I reckon I would need to wash my eyes out or something. I don't know. As, you're, uh, as you're feeling a bit doughy going down the hume, uh, I'd, I'd suggest... You know what? what? I'll text you the photos. Oh, no, or... don't. Don't do it. No, no. No, pass. Thank you. No. you. You'll never unsee it. No, I don't need to see it. Thank you. <laughs> nice nice picture of a hot rod or something like that, okay? I'm not opening any of your SMSs for the next week now. That's oh. It. That's it. That's it. Done. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining me, mate. I'll catch up with you later on. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, safe travels to our listeners and, uh, and, and get home to your family safe. Have a, uh, a good week, everyone, and we will be back with you with the, the news that matters indeed. Thanks, buddy. Hey, it's Andy here, and this week our featured music artist is a genuine true blue working-class bloke from up Gympie Way in Queensland. He's just at home in the recording studio or belting out his songs live on stage as he is running his lawn mowing and contracting business with his trusty Kelpie Henry by his side. He's been described as someone who always brings a rock star swagger to a live performance and blends music styles effortlessly. Since first picking up the guitar at age 10, he knew that music was going to be his life and he's gone on to rock the stages of Gimpy Music Muster, the Groundwater Country Music Festival, the Agnes Blues and Roots Festival, and of course the Tamworth Country Music Festival. He's opened shows for the likes of Thirsty Merck, Mental as Anything and Brad Cox, and as a songwriter, he's worked alongside music industry superstars like Adam Brand, Matt Cornell and the Wolf Brothers. With his second album not far away and a brand new single released this week, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Link Phelps. G'day, Link. Thanks for joining us for a chat. Mate, thank you so much for having me. How's the world looking up in beautiful Gympie today, mate? 
mate, the sun is shining finally. Uh, plenty of blue sky around. It's nice to have a little bit of dry weather. Yeah. Pretty wet and humid for a while. Yeah, hasn't it? What? Nice to hear the birds in the background too. Yeah. Now, I've got an admission to make. When I first saw a photo of you, I thought, okay, this dude looks like he could be right at home belting out raunchy rock guitar licks with an American Southern rock outfit like Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Something of a different image to your average Aussie country artist these days. But then I heard your song Shouting from the Rooftops, which I'll play a little later in the show, and it all started making sense. You've got a really unique sound, so it would seem a bit wrong to try to label you into a particular music genre. You've got a whole lot of different styles going on there. How would you describe your style and your sound, mate, personally? Yeah, difficult <laughs> to put a label on it, like you said. Yeah. Look, there's a little bit of blues, there's a little bit of country, there's a little bit of Americana, there's a little bit of soul. Yep. So if you sort of take that all, roll that all up into a ball and then add in a little bit of probably classic Aussie rock sprinkled on top, I think, be a pretty fair description. Yeah. I think. I think so. That covers it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So what were your influences when you were growing up, mate? Who, who were you listening to? It was a pretty wide sort of range. Mum loved country music. Mm -hmm. Everything from Graham Connors, John Williamson, through to Reba McIntyre, Clint Black, Garth Brooks. Right. Those American country artists. All the usual suspects, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I remember listening to things like big vocalists, so like Michael Bolton, Celine Dion, yep. you know, those sort of things. Mm. And then as I got a little bit older, uh, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson and, you know, everything that he had done. Right. Later in my teenage years, I used to listen to a lot of, like, I guess maybe like early punk rock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then through to, you know, I guess 18, 19, I was a massive fan of bands like Cold Chisel. Yeah. You know, the Eagles, the Hunters and Collectors, James Rainey, like a lot of Aussie stuff as well. Yeah. But then stylistically, uh, I'm a massive Bruce Springsteen fan. Yep. And that kind of shows too when you listen to your stuff. Yeah. That's a pretty broad taste you've got there, which is, is yes. a good thing. It's, it's nice not to be funneled into one particular area. Yeah. Things are never boring. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a lot of inspiration to draw on. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Now, we've just finished up the Tamworth Country Music Festival for 2024. How was it for you, mate? What were your highlights this year? It was great. So I got to uh, go down to Tamworth and was part of a great uh, songwriter show. Two of my really good friends, Jen Myers and Kelly Bruhaha. Yep. Yeah, just some great songs, but a lot of comic relief as well. Those ladies are, are very, very funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, then I saw, I uh, got to see Jen Myers and the Rough and Tumble. Right. Absolutely phenomenal. It blew the crowd away. Yeah. I caught up with a bunch of friends to see Kevin Bennett, Flood, ah. the uh, the Tamworth Hotel, which is always a festival staple. Oh, love the Flood. Yep. Just got to you know, catch up with a whole lot of people, a lot of mates. Got to go to the Golden Guitars. Yep. So my wife and I got frocked up. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it was just great. It was a really good week. Yeah, great to catch up with all of our mates, basically. Yeah, I've been threatening to get back there again one year. I've really got to do it. Really got to do it. Yeah, you won't regret it. No. Now, you've got a new album on the way, I believe. When's it going to hit and what can we look forward to from the album? The album's going to come out early next year, but I think we're going to drop four singles between now and then. Hmm. Recorded in Brisbane with my band live in the studio. Just tried to really capture that essence of our live show on the record. Yeah. So worked with Golden Guitar winning producer Gavin Carput. Mm-hmm. Gavin and I wrote a lot of the songs together as well. Right. Great songwriter, great producer. It was a pleasure to work with him. We're now, as well as, you know, colleagues, we're, um, we're great mates. Yeah. And you got a song in there, I believe, with Melody Moko as well. I do, yeah. Mm. Beautiful song that my wife and I actually wrote. Yes. And, yeah, Mel's a good friend and I reached out and, um, yeah, she was happy to be part of it. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for the one to hear that one. Yeah, fantastic. Now, your brand new single was released this week called Sing a Little Louder. Yeah. How did the song come together? So I had the idea for the chorus uh, for quite a while and I was sort of like trying to bounce other ideas around for the verses and where I sort of wanted the song to land and stuff. Hmm. And then I got talking to our front of house engineer who also works with the Wolf Brothers. Yep. Yeah, we got chatting one day and he said, oh, why don't you ask the boys if they'd like to have a right? And I uh, said, yeah, righto. Yeah, one thing led to another. Got in touch with the fellas and we jumped on Zoom and got this song written. Those boys are just true blue Aussies. Oh, yeah. They're good fellas, great songwriters. It was a real pleasure to write this song with them. Yeah. They did rather well at the awards too, didn't they, this year? They did, yeah. They had a great Tamworth. Mm. I went and called their at the Long Yard. Yeah, I can see why they've got such a massive, loyal following. Oh, yeah. They're just very honest and real. Great live show. Yeah. People, people love them. I can see why. 
Yeah, absolutely. I gather the song was written during the COVID era, was it? When we were all not being able to do what we all wanted to be doing. Yeah, it was. So that's when the idea came to me. I remember seeing on the news, it was during one of the, I guess, one of the, the longer periods of lockdown that they had in Victoria. Yeah. And I almost felt a little bit guilty because we were, you know, where, where we live up here, you know, we were having a fire out the back every night and having a barbecue and having a beer with the neighbours. and Yeah, we were still relatively free. Yeah, yeah sort of <laughs> doing our thing. And, yeah. you know, these poor buggers down in Melbourne were locked in these apartment blocks for, you know, five and six weeks at a time. And I was just like, mm. God, I just couldn't fathom being in that position. Yeah. So it was almost like, yeah, the, the initial idea of like, you know, sing, sing a little loud was to she sort of pictured someone maybe being stuck in the balcony yeah like going we're still here yeah <laughs> like, yeah we're still alive down here in victoria yeah we're just you know bloody stuck but you know we're still here yeah my thought was like you know yeah we can still hear you. we know you're there yeah yeah so that's where the idea came from excellent so the song's got quite a story to tell can you share some of the thoughts that run throughout the song yeah, so I guess it's uh, across the three verses, it's kind of split up into three parts. So hmm. the first verse talks about, you know, uh, a mum at the red light with the kids screaming in the car, you know, talking about the struggles of everyday people, you know, feeling like they're sort of you know, stuck in a bit of a box going, God, you know, can I get out of this? Can anyone hear me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of stuck in this grind kind of thing. Yeah. And then uh, the second verse goes on to talk about, you know, for those who know but can never tell, for those that hear that can't speak so well. That's a dedication to my son, Jack. Yeah. He's 13 years old and uh, he's autistic and he struggles with communication a lot of the time. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I have to um, sort of be there for him a lot of the time to help him convey a message or yes. help bridge those gaps that he has when he's trying to explain things to people. Yeah. Just to help him to sing a little louder. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And I kind of went, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, and then verse three goes on to talk about, there's a little bit of self-indulgence in that third verse. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and so the Wolfies and I, obviously, when we're writing it, went for the kid with a dream singing up on the stage. Yeah. I remember when I was in high school, my principal, God bless him, he was just trying to do his job. But I remember yeah. going in, he was in grade 11, maybe, and it was a, a meeting about what you want to do when you finish school. Yeah. I said, Man, I'm pretty sure I just want to rock and roll all night and party every day. <laughs> <laughs> like the Kiss song. Yeah. And he sort of looked at me with this like disdain and kind of went, okay, yeah, but seriously, what do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. I said, no, that's what I want to do. I think, you know, yeah, that's my goal. I want to be a singer songwriter and a performer. And he kind of, you know, he didn't really understand. And I sort of went, that's cool. You know, you don't have to understand. I, I know what I want to do. It's all that matters. So the happy end of that story's got to be where one day some bloke walks up to you at a gig and says, hey, do you remember me? I was your school principal there and yeah. you did it. Well done. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, yeah it'll happen. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on that. <laughs> I hope so. Well, folks, our guest this week has been Link Phelps, the man described as the real deal and the hidden gem of the Australian music industry. Link, thanks for making the time to come out and play on the road with us, mate. Mate, I appreciate it so much. And I just thought I'd really quickly mention my stepdad has driven trucks uh, his whole life. Cool. He drove interstate for a lot of years. So, you know, to all the uh, men and women out there who are, uh, you know, doing the miles and making sure that we're getting fed and all those, you know, crucial supplies that we rely on via road, I, uh, I take my hat off to you. Thanks. Yeah, good on you, mate. Well, we've talked about your new single. It's time we had to listen to it. So would you please introduce it for us? I'm Link Phelps. This is my brand new single, Sing A Little Louder. Cheers, Link. Have a great day, mate. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much. And thanks again for your continued support of Australian country music. For the mom at the red light, kids screaming in the car. For the man in the steel cap boots, the steel cap's hard. Get loud 
singing up on the stage for the empty rooms and the gigs nobody got paid for the rainy day for the backup plan they say you can't but you know you can to get a real job you're never gonna make it man Hi there. Um, big news out this week. Um, featured uh, where I first saw it in um, Road Boss magazine, which is the new publication for the Heavy Vehicle Industry Association, the people who run the Brisbane Truck Show and stuff like that. The uh, byline reads, A refreshing new approach will introduce experience-based licence progression pathways to allow Australia's truck drivers to gain higher licence higher license classes much more rapidly. And then it goes on to say, Australia's transport ministers have agreed in principle to an improved nationally consistent, your important words, which I'll come back to, approach to the training and licence progression of heavy vehicle drivers that improves road safety and productivity. The changes were approved by infrastructure and transport ministers in December through an agreement made at the Infrastructure and Transport Minister's meeting. And they're going with all this bureaucratic stuff about calling it a decision, regulation, impact statement, and all this stuff. Anyway, it just says what I said about the experience-based licence progression reforms, and it goes on to a great deal of detail. Now, you can look this up on the... Um, you know, on just about any platform at the moment, and just, just type in... Uh, driver licensing, ref, ref, heavy, reforms for heavy vehicles. And it goes on now. The important thing is the rapid progression will be available because of the risk mitigation strategies that are being introduced at the same time, requiring drive experience, not a, just a 12-month period on the lower class licence, like you're supposed to go 12 months from a LR to an MR and 12 months from an MR to an HC and then 12 months from an HC to a MC, I think that's the thing at the at the moment. Apparently, there's people bypassing one of those steps, but I, I have no evidence of it or knowledge of it. So, I'll leave that to someone else to contribute that. And there's opportunities to respond to all this stuff too. Apparently, anyway, um, putting in place minimum training assessment times, addressing a number of unusually short courses which are currently available, and uh, that's short driving school courses they're talking about. And anyway. Um, Truck drivers will be able to upgrade from a medium rigid licence to a multi-combination licence in as little as six months. And they go on about the research and they come down here and they're saying uh, the Ostroads, and Ostroads are the, the sort of the, the uh, instigators of all this, and they're saying here, Ostroads Chief Executive Jeff Allen says the support of ministers and agencies for the proposals demonstrates Australia's cooperative federalism at work. Well, what we do for that? Like, how much cooperative federalism we've got when when the NHVR re refuses to adopt flexibility from WA and the Northern Territory in order to have uniform heavy vehicle national law? How much cooperative federalism have we got when we're reading at the moment about all the dramas that senior drivers are having hanging on to a licence after they turn 70 in New South Wales, 75 in Queensland and 85 elsewhere. Like, that's a fair bit of cooperative federalism just there, is it not? Um, you know, if we're going to have cooperative federalism, let's get a bit. 
let's get a big lot of it in all the bloody aspects of road transport, not just the uh, demand for getting new, new, new drivers, their new licences more quickly. Um, it's a little bit of a joke, really. Um, honestly, there, there, there does need to be a tightening up of the licensing laws. And uh, there's a couple of other glaring omissions in these proposals, too. In America, there's Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, who administer CDLs, as they call them over there, commercial driver licences. One of their major platforms, one of their major uh, in, uh, rules is that a, a new driver has to be able to uh, understand, read and communicate in English. Now, apparently there's some shonky deals going in some of the southern states where people are bypassing that a bit or cheating in exams and that, but even so, the rule exists. Now, I can't see anything about that in these proposals. So there's, there's one thing that, that they've omitted. And the other thing is that uh, if we're going to have all these new rules for, for, for new licence holders and they're going to be uh, the result of cooperative federalism or, or, or a national uniform approach, whatever you want to call it, well, I think it's high time that someone stepped up and did something for the senior drivers. Like, I, I you know, I had to retire for health reasons and um, a nationally consistent approach probably wouldn't have helped me at the time, but a more a more sensible approach would have. Um, and, of course, now I've had treatment and probably right to go back and do a bit more. Um, I've just got myself a bit used to retiring. I'm, as much as I miss it all, I think it'll be too much hassle because... Uh, once you turn, you know, and I'm more than older than 75, but once you turn 75, you're on a downward spiral if you had the bad luck to be a heavy vehicle driver all your life. Like, I consider it good luck, but uh, the bureaucracy obviously don't. The bureaucrats, the public servants, the politicians, they all ought to know better. Like, uh, they're loving they're loving it, mate. They uh, they don't believe in discrimination, but uh, discrimination works two ways and until they're random drug and alcohol tested whenever they get the chance in, on their workplace um, we're being discriminated against and they're being discriminated for so you know let's get a bit serious about this stuff the uh, the driving licenses reforms you know I don't see a lot wrong with them I, I, I think they're, they're uh, you know they're worth looking at but as I said there's a glaring omission about the uh, English language requirement and um, we really ought to be looking beyond uh, licensing new drivers, but uh, trying to keep some of the mature and experienced drivers. And, you know, and there's plenty of research. They even mention it in an, an article I read in another uh, uh, newspaper. They've even recognised, and Ostroads are behind all the medicals and everything else, the medical standards, but each state has adopted different aspects of the Ostroad standard. So, you know... Cooperative federalism, or what do you want to call it? Like, what a joke. Anyway, the uh, so it will be interesting to see what the states do when they break up all these new regulations to suit their own uh, their own scheme of things. But anyway, the uh, the the whole issue is that um, these things do need to be dealt with, and they do need to be dealt with as a matter of urgency, especially where safety and 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 uh, that sort of thing is involved. One of the interesting aspects of this, they're talking about um, accelerating a, 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 a driver's ability to gain his next higher licence category if he's uh, been mentored by a, uh, a you know, a, a licensed, uh, experienced driver. Well, um, there's going to be some OH&S issues come up in there, surely, because that's why uh, a young people can't go with their fathers, uncles, mates and grandfathers now and learn the industry like we did. I know that's how I learnt, and um, yeah, so uh, there's a few things to look at there, but the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, they are in their own minds um, looking for ways to increase the number of skilled and safe heavy vehicle drivers, and that's a good thing, but we already have a number out there who are skilled and safe and who are being discriminated against, which is not a good thing, and the other thing is I don't know what it is about these two-year periods, but they're saying elsewhere in this story that the uh, reforms will not become law or become operational for at least two years by the time they go through all the hoops and hollers and roundabouts and dead ends that the bureaucracy and ministerial meetings and uh, people who are just trying to keep themselves in a job because they, it's too good to pass up. Uh, 
if the, if there's problems there that need fixing, why is it always going to take two years to fix them? Like that's just beyond me. Um, surely that uh, if people got off their butts and did a little bit of work most of the time instead of only some of the time, these things could happen a lot more quickly than they do. And uh, you know, and of course, only have to only has to be interrupted by a state or a federal or a couple of elections, and next thing it'll be longer than two years. I'm a bit over this two years stuff. We're seeing it with the uh, closing the loopholes too. Anyway, I've, I uh, like I'm saying, I, I, I support the need for change and the fact that someone's looking at changing it, but they ought to take it further uh, and um, get some cooperative federalism going in a few departments, not just the uh, Department for New Licenses for Heavy Vehicle Drivers. Stay safe out there, people, and, um, yeah, let's know what you think about these things. Catch you later. Thanks for listening. This is Bob McMillan. The taking us out of the show this week. It's our featured music guest, Link Phelps, once more with Shouting from the Rooftops. Tell me I can talk, talk.
On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. 